It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. We're live on this Thursday evening, April 17th, 2008, and we're glad that you're part of our program tonight. We appreciate you taking time from your busy schedule to study the Bible with us on the Virtual Bible Study <laughs> My name is Jacob Gwynn. I'm joined by my co-host, my father, Greg Gwynn. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you tonight, as always, for our Thursday night Internet Bible study group, the Virtual Bible Study. It is good to be with you. And if you're listening tonight and would like to comment on the program, you do so via various ways. You can send your emails to questions at collegeview.com, or you can call us on the phone at 877-381-4567. That's a toll-free number. We'll pay the bill. We would just like you to pick up the phone and call in to let us know you're out there and to give us your questions or your comments on the program tonight, 877-381-4567. We want to remind our listeners, Dad, about uh, some magnets that we have available if anyone would like to get one of those. I was going to mention that, Jacob. A couple weeks ago we mentioned that we were getting some uh, bumper sticker-sized signs made, but they're actually magnetic, and they'll stick to your car, and then you can take them off when you're done. Excuse me. And we've got those available. If you'll send us an email, we'll be glad to get you one in the mail. You got one of those down your throat right now? Or? <laughs> I think so. And uh, those will be sent to you free of charge, uh, absolutely no cost or obligation to you. If you would be interested in uh, helping to promote the virtual Bible study, just send us an email with your mailing address, and we'll be glad to send those magnets to you. Well, we have an interesting topic uh, to planned for tonight, and it is a timely subject that we want to discuss on the virtual Bible study. Well, warmer weather has arrived, Jacob, and already we're seeing signs of the fact that people are returning to their warm weather immodest ways. It doesn't always take warm weather to do it, but when warm weather breaks out, people certainly become immodest. And you can see plenty of evidence of that. All you have to do is uh, uh, go to the Walmart store and, and just kind of watch what people are wearing, and you'll see probably see way more than you want to see. And so uh, we thought it would be a worthy topic here at the start of the spring season and the, and the warm weather season, be a worthy topic to talk about modesty and what God expects of us in relationship to the kind of clothes that we wear. Uh, we want to talk about that tonight on the virtual Bible study. Earlier today to our update list, we sent out a couple of questions. We appreciate those who have already responded. And if you've not responded yet, uh, please let us uh, know your answers to these two questions. One do you think that there are any absolute lines that can be drawn in regards to parts of our bodies that God expects us to keep covered in public? Are there any absolute lines? If if not, why not? Why do, if you don't think that there's any absolutes, then why don't you? If you do think there are absolutes, what are they? So that was the first question. You know, pretty often we hear people express the view that you can't draw any absolute lines. Now, there may be some who feel that way, and if that's so, please give us your reasoning on that. Others take the position 
that you can say specifically exactly that at least these parts of the body must be covered. So we want to know your view. Are there absolute lines or not? If so, what are they? If not, why not? Question two, would circumstances or situations change the parts of the body that should be covered in public? For instance, would it be okay to wear something on a beach or at a swimming pool, but wrong to wear the same thing when shopping at Walmart? So uh, are these considerations changed in regards to keeping our bodies covered now we're not. I'm sure tonight, Jacob, we'll talk about appropriate things. You know, there might be something appropriate when I'm changing the oil in my car that would not be appropriate if I went to a, a fine restaurant for a meal. Not to, we're not here. The question is not about appropriateness. We're talking about parts of the body that are covered. Could you wear something on the beach, exposing certain parts of your body that you could not or should not wear at the Walmart store? That's our question, the second question. All right. Uh, We want to hear from you. If you have not chimed in on those questions already, please send us an email or give us a call to let us know your thoughts. Are there absolute standards? Are there absolute lines that uh, should not be crossed? And uh, do those lines and do those circumstances determine those lines? Is it appropriate to wear certain articles of clothing somewhere? And not appropriate to wear at other places on well, I items, even, I or, item, even, or lines of of uh, what you have to cover. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even uh, I wouldn't even use the word appropriate. I mean, there's things that you know what I wear to mow my grass, even though I think it's modest, would not be appropriate if I went to make, meet the president at the White House. So there's a difference between appropriateness and modesty. And uh, and so, you know, we've we got to be careful that we understand that some things would not be appropriate, although they adequately cover the body. They might not be appropriate in certain circumstances. We're talking about covering the flesh. Uh, can you expose flesh in one situation and not in another? All right. There's a couple terms that brings to mind uh, that uh, this discussion is going to center around. And those two terms are nakedness and modesty. And the two are not a parallel. That's right. That, that there's there's a difference between nakedness and exposing your nakedness and being modest. And we'll we'll surely develop some discussion of that as our program goes on. All right. Join in on the phone, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Yeah, I thought we might start out our discussion by just pointing out the fact that in these decisions that we're all making day by day as to what we wear, there's both some good and some bad basis for making those decisions. In other words, what we're saying here is that everybody has to make decisions. Everyone has to decide. And the question is, uh, what are the the underlying principles upon which we make our decisions about the clothes we wear? And I would suggest that some people are making their decisions based upon a, a bad set of criteria. For instance, some people would make their decisions. Uh, people of the world surely make their decisions based solely upon what's popular. You know what what everybody's wearing, what everybody's doing. What are the current and popular fashion trends? And that being the case, for instance, years ago the miniskirt was popular, and so lots of people allowed that to affect their decisions, and they wore the miniskirt. When skirts went, when the trend went to long skirts, they went to long skirts, and we were all glad because it seemed like there was a, a, a move toward modesty. But it wasn't a genuine move; it was just a move toward staying with what was popular. Now that the miniskirt's popular again, the same people have gone back to wearing the, the miniskirt again. So a lot of people make their decision based upon what's popular. That's never been a good basis for making moral decisions. Well, you know, uh, I'm going to have to disagree with what you said there because Christians don't wear 
what the world wears most of the time. They're usually a couple inches behind. And so as the skirt goes up, they're not wearing the shortest skirt that you can find in the store, but it's a couple inches longer than the shortest skirt. That's right. That's right. We, uh, typically, there, maybe, there are some Christians who are wearing the shortest skirt, I'm sure. but uh, you, Typically, Christians are not at the cutting edge. In other words, they're not at the extreme of the fashion trend, but they allow the fashion trends to, to influence their decisions based on what is popular. And as I said, that's always been a bad basis for making moral choices. In Exodus 23, verse 2, it says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Uh, the implication is the masses will do evil. You should not follow them in doing that evil. Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14, another familiar passage. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Many be, there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. That print, that the principle that's stated there, Dad, is applicable in every area of our life, but especially in the way that we dress. Most people will be dressing in ways that are not appropriate. We have to be the few that dress appropriately. I think that's right. You know, another another bad principle for making decisions about clothes is what's comfortable or convenient. You know, I've heard people, and, they, and they're wearing some kind of pretty immodest clothes, you know, and they say, well, the reason they want to wear those, you know, they want to wear their, their shorts and they want to wear their tank tops and, and their halters and their bare midriffs and all that. And they say, well, the reason they're wearing that is because it's just comfortable. It's, you know, they, they feel comfortable. I, I actually doubt that argument because I've seen them, I've seen particularly women, but men too, who tug and pull and try to keep themselves covered when they're wearing inadequate clothing. And it looks particularly uncomfortable to watch them. It's almost painful to watch them as they pull and tug at their clothes. But if we were to grant that immodest clothes are comfortable, again, I'm not willing to make that that concession necessarily, but if we did, the question is, are you not willing to sacrifice your comfort in order to stay within the bounds of God's law? Are you not willing to sacrifice anything of your own comfort and convenience in order to be right with God? You know, the, being a Christian, being a faithful servant of God, many times requires us to make sacrifices. And if the sacrifice is that our clothes are not as comfortable as those who are dressed immodestly, then we ought to be willing to make that sacrifice. I don't know that that's a fair argument that they're making, but even if it was, we still would, should be willing to sacrifice all right. And another excuse that maybe has been used before, Dad, is uh, basically live and let live. I don't care what other people think. It's uh, my decision what I'll wear. None of your business what yeah. I wear. Yeah, yeah, back off. Yeah, I've, I've heard that plenty of times. But, uh, you know, it, again, what we hope is that Christians understand that that uh, a higher standard, Christians understand, you know, a person in the world, you, you might expect a person in the world to say, it's none of your business what I wear. But Christians ought to know that we are to be concerned about others and our influence on others and whether whether our conduct is an encouragement or a discouragement to others. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 and 24, it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And so I should be concerned. It is, I, I should know that it is other people's business what I wear and how I act and so forth, because I should be doing things that encourage them, not discourage them. All right. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Join in now on our discussion about modesty. And uh, there is the constant uh, desire, Dad, and the constant pull towards uh, compromise when we think about our dress. Um, and certainly a lot of people are making compromises. Well, I think that might be especially applicable to parents. You know, and they've got their teenage kids and their kid, teenage kids are wanting to wear this. And they think, well, 
I'm going to have to compromise a little bit. It might not be what I really like, but I'm going to have to compromise a little bit with them. Can't can't fight them at, at every turn, so I'll give in a little here and a little there, and they make compromise is always bad. Uh, and compromise simply suggests, well, if you think about it, what we're compromising is we're compromising our moral standards and our and our relationship with God in order to be acceptable to the world, and that's a bad trade off any time. All right. We want, so, to hear, we want to hear your thoughts on the program. Let us know what you think about modesty. Do you think that people are failing in this area? Do you think that uh, that is not an issue? Let us know what you think about modesty. What are some observations you've made about your own life and maybe about the life of those that you're around when it comes to deciding what we're going to wear on a daily basis? Jake, if you know, I, uh, what I hope is that we understand that the right basis for making our decisions as Christians, including our decisions about clothes, is not that we're trying to be conformed to the world. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're not to be conformed to the world. That's the big danger here in this question of modesty and the clothes that we wear. There are far too many Christians who are allowing the pressures of an ungodly society to force them to to comply to conform to what the world is doing and that's that's uh we should know that god does not want us doing that the word of god specifically says don't be conformed to the world don't let the world uh, form you into their pattern well you know i think the problem with modesty is that we like our religion to be in a neat little package uh, that we open up on sunday morning when we're uh, at uh, a worship service and then we put our religion back into a, the package throughout the week, and it doesn't have to impact our everyday life. Uh, that simply is not the case, Dad. Our religion must in, impact everything that we do, especially the clothes that we wear. Yeah, that's right. First John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So uh, it's very plain there that we're not to love the world, and we're not to allow the world to force us into compliance with what they're doing, and and that's a challenge for us all as Christians. All right, then if we're not to allow the world to impact us, then that leaves only one option, and that is that the Bible and God must shape and determine what we wear. Then the question remains... Are there standards in the Bible for what we should wear? Are, are there absolute lines? That's okay. one That's one of our questions, Jacob. Are there some absolutes that we can draw from the Word of God? If there are, what are they? If not, why do you argue that there are not any absolutes? We want to know about absolutes that God expects us concerning coverage of our body. That was our first question. Our second question, we still got those out there. We want to hear from you. Our second question was, would circumstances and situations change the parts of our body that must be covered? In other words, would we be allowed to expose certain parts of our flesh at the beach or swimming pool, but it would be wrong to do the same thing when we went shopping at Walmart? Let us know your thoughts at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these messages. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. 
But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're glad you're part of it, but we would appreciate your feedback as we discuss modesty and the clothes that we wear We've said that the, the world is trying to conform us to it as it tries to inf- influence the clothing that we wear and the decisions we make about what we will wear. The only alternative to that is to allow God to influence the things that we wear, and we want to look at the biblical principles that determine the clothing that we should be wearing on a daily basis. Dave, I wanted to share an exchange I had with a, a, a woman some time ago um, about the kind of clothes we should be wearing and and. Sh- we were talking about uh, whether it would be appropriate to wear a swimming suit at the beach or the pool. And this woman told me, she said, quote, there's nothing wrong with it because everyone is dressed that way. No one thinks a thing about it. And so her argument was at the beach or swimming pool, there's nothing wrong with wearing a swimming suit because everybody's dressed that way and nobody thinks anything about it. Nobody thinks anything about these kind of things. Well, I think her argument fails on a couple of fundamental levels. First of all, if it's okay to dress in a certain way because everybody else is dressed that way. In other words, I go to the beach and it's okay to wear a swimming suit because everybody at the beach is wearing a swimming suit. If you take that and uh, uh, logically follow what that leads to, then that would say that if you went to one of those beaches that are popping up on the coastline areas, these so-called clothing optional beaches, nude beaches, if everybody at the beach was naked then you could be naked too, completely naked, without a stitch of clothing on. Dark Raven. Yeah. Uh, some, well, I won't say what some people say about okay. that. But uh, the the idea is if, if everybody's doing it and that makes it okay because everybody's dressed that way, then you could not argue against total nakedness at, at a nudist colony, for instance. So that, that, that argument flaws. What, sometimes we make a statement. We say, what proves too much proves nothing at all. That proves nothing at all. Well, these people who say that it would be okay to do that, they typically make an argument that the Bible is, it condemns more those people who are wearing flashy clothing and those wearing all the gaudy clothing. Uh, well, does that mean that you could you could wear that flashy clothing if everybody in the room and was wearing the flashy yeah, clothing well, that what, draw attention well, to themselves? Yeah, yeah. so you know uh, there is a way to be immodest by wearing excessive clothing. And these people who say it's okay to wear no clothing almost would say that's what the Bible is talking about. Would that that prove then that uh, you could wear that clothing if everybody else was? I get, your, yeah, I get your point. You know the, the the other thing that's wrong with this woman's position that she took as we argued this back and forth. When she said no one thinks anything about it, in other words, you go to the beach and you see women and men wearing scanty uh, attire at the beach, no one thinks anything about that? I, I just don't believe that. It, how, how do you account for the the explosion in pornography, and not just the hardcore pornography, but even so-called softcore pornography, the kind of pornography that's a, that you see a, at the convenience market, uh, displayed in the checkout lanes at the, at the grocery store? Uh, why are the swimsuit editions of some magazines so popular? 
if nobody thinks anything about it at all, uh, you know, uh, that's just not that's just not true. People do pay attention. They do observe. They do look. And then, of course, most importantly of all is that the, that her argument, nobody thinks anything about it. It, it just fails to take into account what God's word says. And we've already mentioned the word nakedness. We're supposed the nakedness is a shame and a sin. We're to avoid it. We'll talk more about that. It, it simply is not modest. And the Bible enjoins Christians to be modest. And so this woman, when she said there's nothing wrong with wearing a swimming suit at the beach because everybody's dressed that way and nobody thinks anything about it. That is just absolutely wrong, completely off base. It is interesting the arguments that we'll come up with when we're trying to allow the world to direct our thinking and our activities instead of what God has instructed in his word. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. I think we have a question coming in that maybe one our listeners would like to answer tonight, Dad. Yeah, let's throw this out. We've just got an email uh, from Lee who asked the questions concerning small children. What would be a good age to start restricting what they wear? That's a good question. Let's leave that hanging out there for a while. Maybe we'll get some of our listeners to respond. At what age do you begin to try to instill concepts of personal modesty in young children that'd be a, that's a worthy question i think that is a judgment a question that that parents should be considering so let's put that out there and see if we get some answers all right will be a good age to start teaching our children about modesty send in your feedback on that question or call let us know your thoughts got another uh i had another correspondence just recently uh from uh, a listener uh, in here in tennessee who basically was taking the argument that the problem is not necessarily what people are wearing, even scanty attire or immodest. The problem is in is in the heart of the one who looks at the person who's wearing that. And and I won't. This is a lengthy email. I won't take time to read it all. I I, I think this person has got a good heart, but I, I think some of these arguments are a little off base. This person says we can see in David in uh, in the episode with David when Bathsheba was on the roof bathing. She wasn't told that what she had done was wrong, and I don't think any of us would probably think that she was doing it to draw attention to herself. We tried to put that in there, but really it was David who chose to look at her, evidently to continue looking and then to take her, and he was the one in sin. The fault lies in David not going back inside his house or turning away. We're told in 1 Corinthians six eighteen to flee fornication, so it seems to me that it is more the responsibility of those that look and have the desire, and that they should stay far away from falling into those situations. And again, I'm just I'm, I'm just picking some of this out. It's a, a longer email. But it said, isn't really it really isn't so much a woman or what she might arouse, or in the things done, but there are those who are are prone to lust, and that's where the sin is. Uh, she says, I, I, I don't want you to think uh, that I don't understand a responsibility on the part of the woman because I do. However, whether a man or woman, if, if someone is prone to lust, they're going to lust, especially if they don't take the responsibility, uh, responsibility to turn their own head. I think sometimes we're putting the responsibility or the focus on the wrong things. We're allowing those that are prone to lust to get away with blaming the naked woman. If someone is good looking, no matter what they have to cover themselves up, someone is going to lust after them. And she says the hearts of men and women is where the sin is. Um, I think we should comment about that, Jacob. I'm just asking if she takes baths in her backyard. Yeah, if not, why not? If Bathsheba wasn't doing anything wrong to bathe where she could be viewed by men, then could women today do the same thing? If not, why not? I think that's a good question, Jacob. But, you know, first of all, I want to agree 
that those who look and lust are sinning. Jesus taught that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, when he said, if a man looks on a woman to lust after her, he has committed adultery already with her in his heart. So it's wrong to look and lust. There's not any, there's not any argument about that. But the scripture says it's also a sin to put a stumbling block before someone else. And if, if a woman were dressing provocatively, then she is purposefully placing a stumbling block before a man and she'll be held accountable for that. That the immodesty of a woman can certainly be the stumbling block that uh, provides the occasion for someone to lust. A man, or, and we can change the gender roles there. I, don't, uh, I certainly understand that. But I, I think I think our our correspondent here misses the point that it is wrong to place a stumbling block before another. All right, uh, certainly, Dad. Uh, you know the uh, the person who drinks alcohol and becomes drunk uh, certainly would be condemned in the scriptures, but. Uh, the person, uh, I believe it's uh, Proverbs, that uh, condemns that person who would give wine to his neighbor. And so there is uh, obligation and responsibility on, on both parties there, same as we're talking about our appearance and our clothes that we wear. Uh, it would certainly be uh, sinful for a person to lust, but it would be also sinful to give them that opportunity. And so we have to be careful about our effect and the reaction that our apparel would give to those who may see us. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Join in on the discussion tonight with uh, your response to the two questions that were sent out earlier today or with the third question that's been submitted tonight. At what age should children be taught the principles of appropriate attire? Let us know your thoughts. Jacob, I was just looking for a verse here to back up what I was saying earlier about putting a, a, a stumbling block before someone. Jesus said in Matthew eighteen seven, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to him, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. In other words, if I cause my brother to offend, then Jesus is pronouncing a woe on me if I cause that offense. And so I think that would be, uh, the thing that we got to take into consideration. Certainly it's wrong, uh, for someone to look and lust, but it's wrong for you to be the occasion of that by putting a, a stumbling block before someone else. All right, we're looking forward to your participation on the program tonight. Are we ready to start into uh, some yeah, of the yeah, answers? Yeah, let's talk about these answers that we've gotten uh, concerning the question, do you think there's any absolute lines that can be drawn in regards to parts of the body that God expects us to keep covered in public? And if there are lines, what are they? All right, we have an email from Kelly. Kelly says... When I first obeyed, and several times after, my discipleship teacher and I discussed modesty and appropriate attire. Even before I was a Christian, I was raised with an understanding that everything on your person is not for everyone else to see. I'm 23 years old, and what I see shown in today's society by people young and old alike is utterly ridiculous. The amount of skin shown would make you believe that Americans just walk around naked, and sometimes that's even before it gets hot. I also notice and have to admit I have failed in this arena and we sometimes walk around in clothing that is so tight we might as well be naked. On this last Sunday, the preacher led a sermon titled, Are You Really Going to Go Out Looking Like That? While he was an, uh, analogizing the physical appearance with the spiritual appearance, it carries a lot of the same weight. For Christians, our lifestyles are supposed to be such that glorify the Lord. If we claim to represent Christ, we have to remember that, yes, our inner man is important, but our outer appearance can detract from that. It's very hard for a Christian woman to win others if she walks around looking like 
women on the street. Likewise, if a man looks a certain way, others can be put off by that. There's so much to say about it, but something I try to think about when I'm getting dressed is, suppose Jesus was standing at my door as I leave, what would he think about this outfit? Good observations by Kelly. Yeah, thank you, Kelly, for for, uh, your response to that. Got an email here from Mike in Columbia who says, I know that there are some absolute lines that God wants us to adhere to, but I don't know exactly where they are. Therefore, my family and I aren't taking any chances and we don't wear shorts. We we have to be there have to be lines somewhere, because if not, then we could wear anything we want, no matter how short or revealing. The popular thought is that the line is drawn at the knee. Maybe so, I'm not sure, but if I wear shorts to the knee, where did they come to when I sit down or kneel? Uh, if the line is the knee and I wear shorts to the knee, it is, is it smart for a Christian to try and get so close to the line without going past it? We don't need to see how close we can come to the line, but rather see how far we can keep from it. Unfortunately, I think Christians are missing a golden opportunity to teach others with our dress. People should be able to tell that there's something different about us because of the way we talk, act, and even dress. We could have a good effect on others if we don't compromise. I know of a Christian family that allowed their child to play basketball but would not allow her to wear shorts when she practiced and played, and she wore long sweatpants. My five-year-old daughter noticed when we attended one of her games. They didn't compromise or practice situational ethics and say it's okay at some times and not at others. Others do notice what we wear. I think we need to realize that as Christians, there may be times that we can't participate in certain things because of what it might require us to wear. I appreciate Mike's comments there. Uh, I I think uh, he makes some good ones about the fact that we can make a statement and actually be an example to others by what we choose to wear. Uh, I think that's a good point. He he says um, not real sure where the lines are, so he wants to stay on the safe side for sure, not to see how close you can get to being immodest. I, I appreciate that attitude. I think that's a right attitude. You know, when there's a dangerous situation, you don't try to see how close to a dangerous situation you can get. You try to see how far you can stay away from the danger. And that's a, a just a, a good concept here in regards to these decisions about clothes but he mentioned that um, some people think that the the knee is a good line in regards to the lower half of the body and i think that that's true and an, an, an argument has been made and i think it's a worthy argument from exodus chapter 28 beginning at verse 40 when god was instructing the priestly attire that would be worn by aaron and his sons In Exodus 28, now, obviously, we're not Levitical high priests, and so we're not talking about us wearing the same clothes as as the high priest wears. But I just want to notice that in the description of the priest clothes, there was a consideration for covering their nakedness. And I, I would argue that the nakedness of a priest is the same as the nakedness of anybody else. Therefore, the clothes that the priest will wear with with special attention to covering nakedness, The covering of nakedness would be the same for anybody. So notice what it says, Exodus 28, verse 40. And for Aaron's sons, thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make them girdles, and bonnets shalt thou make for them for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt put them upon Aaron, thy brother, and his sons with him, and they shall anoint them and consecrate them and sanctify them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins even to the thighs they shall reach. And they shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons when they come into the tabernacle of the congregation. So notice there in Exodus 28, verse 42, the linen breeches. Now, these were, uh, not to be indelicate, but this was actually their underwear, the priest's underwear, in case that they would be seen under their garments uh, as they went about the duties of, of 
And there were some pretty uh, stringent duties of butchering animals and putting them on the altar and so forth. But under their robes, they wore these breeches, these linen breeches, and they went from the waist to the knee. And it was for the purpose of covering nakedness. Now, these would not be, it wasn't like the priests were out there doing their duty and wearing Bermuda shorts. These were their undergarments. And their undergarments to cover nakedness would go from the waist to the knee. Uh, and so, you know, that, that, that to me establishes a, an absolute line as to what constitutes nakedness. Now, that's not saying what is modest. There's a difference between covering nakedness and being modest. But it seems to me like that that would be an absolute line. All right. We'll talk about that more on the other side of the break. We're going to go to a bullet point uh, for this week, and we'll listen to that. And then we'll return and take your comments. Get in on the phone or get in over the email tonight. We look forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. There's a disturbing trend evident among God's people. We are seeing an increasing tendency on the part of parents to allow their children to do what they themselves would never consider doing. A few examples may illustrate the point. Too many Christians are allowing their children to go to movies that they themselves would never attend. Everyone realizes that movies in general have become more and more evil, and there's been a gradual shifting of the rating scale. Many films that would formerly have carried an R rating are now rated PG-13. For some reason, parents have decided that these are suitable for their kids. They're not. If parents don't help their children in choosing to avoid such moral filth, who will? And we can add the same warning about television shows and the Internet. We hear of way too many kids with TVs and computers in their own rooms, making their own decisions about what they view. This is truly a spiritual disaster. Another example. More and more Christians are permitting their kids to wear clothes that they themselves wouldn't be caught dead wearing. Shorts, swimming suits, halters, bare midriffs, and so forth are becoming common, not just among worldly folks, but by kids in the church. Here's the question. Parents, if you don't dress that way, why do you allow your kids to do so? When do you suppose they will acquire a sense of modesty and shamefacedness if you don't instill it in them now. Another example, there are many teenagers who are being allowed to attend concerts and other such events that are simply ungodly. Why do parents, who would be ashamed to be seen at such places, permit their kids to go there? Are you not worried about the corrupting influences? Parents, open your eyes. Look, think, where is this all headed? Where is it leading your kid? Where will they be in another 10 or 15 years? By then it may be too late. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Hunter. I'm 11 years old, and I love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. Wow, that was a bullet point. Uh, That was a hard-hitting bullet point there. Well, I think parents do need to think. It's our responsibility to raise our kids, to instill in them proper values from the Word of God. And and I'm afraid that a lot of parents are letting down and and making big mistakes that are going to pay a price in in years to come. Well, children aren't equipped yet, Dad, to make those important decisions, and parents somehow think that they are doing some type of injustice to make those decisions for the children. Uh, but certainly, uh, that is the obligation of the parent to bring their children up in the nurture and admission of the Lord. That's exactly right, Jacob. We got an email from Carol in North Alabama who writes. Uh, And says, uh, concerning this question of modesty and nakedness, she says, modesty and nakedness are not synonyms. One could be completely covered and still be immodestly dressed. I believe that's true. Uh, Those are two different topics. They are related to one another, 
But nakedness and modesty are not the same. Actually, modesty is a much higher standard than covering your nakedness. Covering your nakedness is one thing, and it's certainly important, necessary. Nakedness is a shame and a sin, the Bible says. So you've got to keep your nakedness covered. Modesty is a higher standard. That's that's a, that's a level higher than that. And so I think Carol is right when she says you that. You know, I think modesty is a uh, standard that changes, is culturally dependent, is uh, depends on your gender. Uh, I think uh, modesty is a very fluid subject. Yeah, I hope you're you're uh, being facetious. No, there. I'm not. It, modesty depends on where you are, and and it depends on the culture that you're in. Nakedness doesn't depend on that, but modesty does. Oh, I see what you're saying. There are cultural factors that relate to modesty. They're not totally determined. The reason why I thought you were joking is modesty is not totally determined by cultural consideration. Some people think that they are. It's not totally culturally determined. In other words, it's culturally acceptable in the United States for women to wear mini skirts. That doesn't make it modest. Okay, right, right, but – it, it it's always nakedness. Yeah. But it is in my it would be immodest for you to go dress like you are tonight in certain Arab countries. That's right. There are there is a cultural component to modesty. It's not. But what I'm saying is not totally determined by cultural factors. Right. But there is a cultural determinant. In other words, if someone wore the kind of clothes that we've got on today in first century Galilee, it would have been. Completely inappropriate and and immodest because it wouldn't fit what what was the culturally accepted norms. But in order for a culturally accepted norm to be a godly measure of modesty, then it also has to comply with God's standards. You know, there are certain people who wear T-shirts in the middle of winter for no other reason other than to just get the comment of, you know, what are you doing wearing that T-shirt in the middle of winter? That would be immodest, even though you could wear the same T-shirt in the summertime and not be drawing attention to yourself. But uh, the the motive behind your dress is certainly something to so, speak. So we, we're, we're trying not to draw attention to ourselves with our clothing. I mean, that, that's, that's part of the modesty consideration. But I think Carol is right when she says there's a difference between modesty and covering nakedness. She also said... Uh, concerning modesty, she says, if it isn't modest enough for church services, then it isn't modest, period, and should not be worn in public. Um, well, I, w- I think I understand what she's saying and would likely agree with her. I mean, there's things that, that we wear throughout the week that we wouldn't wear to church services, I hope. Uh, I mentioned changing the oil in my car or mowing the grass. Although I, the clothes I wear, I believe, are modest and completely cover nakedness. I wouldn't wear them to church services. They wouldn't be appropriate. And I think it would actually be immodest to, to wear it to church service because they're just not fitting to the occasion. Although they cover nakedness, they may not be appropriate to the occasion. And part of modesty is appropriateness as well. All right. Yeah. So I think maybe uh, we would say if it's if it's nakedness at church, it's nakedness everywhere. Everywhere. That's everywhere. That's exactly right. All right. Um, we got an email from Steve in Pennsylvania who writes, uh, "What are the lines of modest? Uh, uh, what what are the lines? Absolute lines that that uh, God expects us to keep covered." He says in First Timothy, chapter two, verses nine and ten, it states that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation. In verse ten, it says uh, that which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. I believe that the Scripture is saying. This so that so that as Christians we do not bring attention upon ourselves. Trying to gain attention through our dress is not humble in the eyes of the Lord. 
The scripture does not, this scripture does not relate just to women, but also to men, as we can see in James 2, verses 1 through 4. The point I'm trying to make with these verses is that the world sets the standard for how people need to dress in certain settings, but as Christians, we need to separate ourselves from the world. Even if you're fully covered and in some way doing it for the wrong reasons by showing off overpriced clothes and so forth, uh, then it would also be a sin. On the other hand, there is some judgment, I believe, on the part of the Christian to make those judgments. Um, can we wear shorts in public even if they don't go above our knees? Some Christians believe this is wrong. However, some cultures believe it's wrong to show the arms. Therefore, we probably ought not to do it if it goes against someone else's conscience. But how or why would that be a stumbling block or a sin to them? If it goes against their conscience, should we not wear shorts around them, but at other times it's okay? Question mark. I don't know. Um, Part of what he's saying there, Jacob, goes to the point you were making in certain cultures. In other words, if you were in a culture where they didn't show their arms, then it'd be best for you not to do that. I don't believe that that's nakedness. I don't believe we can define that as nakedness from the scriptures. But if showing your arm in a certain culture was inappropriate and not accepted, then you should comply with the the cultural norm there because that would factor into the modesty equation. It's not a nakedness question, but it might be a modesty question if you're in that culture. Well, I'm seeing a recurring theme here, and that is that as we think about the clothes we wear, we need to think about our neighbor as we consider them, and we definitely don't want to do anything that would harm our influence or cause our neighbor to stumble. I think we can draw some absolute lines. For instance, we were looking there at Exodus 28 where it's pretty clear to me that God drew a line at the knee. Uh, and so the knee need, the leg above the knee needs to be covered to cover nakedness. But that's, that's the extreme. You gotta cover the nakedness. Modesty is much more careful than that. Much more thorough than just covering nakedness. And so, you know, back to the point that Mike made in his email, if I wear my, if I wear shorts to the knee, when I sit down and they come halfway up my thigh, then how is that? even covering nakedness, much less being modest. All right, Donna in Iowa gives us these thoughts. God words tells us in First Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. She says, as a Christian woman, I must be careful how I present myself to others. If I know something is offensive to my brother or sister, I should not do it out of love. I say this as a dear brother had given a sermon on modesty, and one thing he brought out was that sleeveless uh, was sleeveless tops and dresses. I had never thought about that, but since I haven't worn... Uh, but one, since then, since then. Oh, she's... but since then, I haven't worn... One without a blouse or jacket over. I don't want even a hint of impropriety when it comes to clothing. So I would rather err on the side of caution with my dress than meet my maker and have to explain why I didn't dress in a way pleasing to him. I believe if we were to draw absolute lines, then we would seek to please God, not self. Ask yourself as a young lady, do I have to pull at the clothing I wear to cover myself up? If a man was to pass me communion or stands over me, uh, could he see down my blouse or dress? This is not modesty. Do you have to drape something over your legs to cross them? Your dress should be long enough to cross your legs and come below your knee. All right. so Thank you, Donna. Donna's got some good insights there on uh, especially how a woman ought to conduct herself to remain modest and to stay covered. I would agree with her uh, arguments. Uh, I think she's right on. Misty writes in and says, um, I think that the Bible is clear about Christians not causing anyone to stumble. That is the sin of lust. To me, it's pretty much a no-brainer which parts of the body are sexual, the breast area, the groin area for both men and women. These parts should be 
especially covered well. To me, that includes seeing the underwear as well. A bra strap, a panty top should not be seen since it can draw a man's attention and thoughts further down the lustful pathway. Uh, I, I think she makes good points. I don't think that's the absolute test. In other words, you know, there are some people, some of us are so ugly that no one would lust after us no matter how little we wore. And so, in other words, that's, I think that's, uh, there's a, there's a concept there to take into consideration, but you know, there, there are some who just simply could not draw a lustful thought out of another person no matter what they wore, but that still doesn't excuse them for wearing uh, improper clothing, exposing their nakedness, and failing to be modest. And so I, I, I certainly am sympathetic with the argument that Misty makes there, but, and I would only offer that one caveat that, you know, that's not the only test in this question. All right. Uh, thank you, Misty. Pat says, I doubt God tells us an exact line, but we don't need to know the exact line in order to know what is way past the line. Um, well, I would ask Pat. Uh, Pat's a good logical thinker, so I'd ask Pat, how do you know if there's not, if you can't draw any absolute lines at all, how do you know what's way past the line? That, does that just become purely subjective? What I think, my feelings? I don't think so. I think we can. I think we can get some absolutes from the Word of God. Well, I would agree with Pat if he's talking about modesty. Yeah, in, in regards to modesty. If he's talking about nakedness, I would disagree. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I and I think I, I, I know Pat, and I. I we're not going to have any difference with him on questions about modesty. But I, I do think that that – I personally through the years have have disagreed with people who say you can't draw any absolute lines. I believe the Bible gives us some absolute lines. Uh, well, you know. uh, I don't know that anyone actually would say you could expose uh, your midsection without – I mean that would be a line everyone would draw. Yeah. So somebody's – you've got to draw a line somewhere. Yeah, and, that, and the question then becomes where do you draw the line? I think, I think in regards to the lower half of the body, we've already looked at, I think, an important passage in Exodus 28, verses 40 through 43, that define the, the thigh, uh, anything above the knee as nakedness on the lower part of the body. I think there are some other considerations. Uh, a, a common argument is made from Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve wore the fig leaves that were aprons covering their midsection, it wasn't enough. God gave them coats of skins. The word there is defined as a tunic-like garment that covers the body from the neck to the knee or below. And so I think uh, it seems to me that we can we can make arguments from the scriptures that suggest that there's an absolute on God's part. We should not expose our torso or our leg above the knee. And that those areas are nakedness that God expects us to keep covered. And so, you know, I, I think that there are some absolutes there. And only by virtue of the fact that those absolutes exist can we know what is above the line. Oh, all right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com are the ways you participate in the program and are the ways that we would like you to answer the question from Lee tonight. What about small children? At what point do you begin to teach small children the concepts of propriety and modesty and nakedness? What do you think about that? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We continue to the top of the hour right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Monty, a member of the College View Church of Christ. 
So if you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church, but you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more, there's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back. We do want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. If you're listening to this program in the archive version, visit our website, collegeview.com. You can also find us at thevirtualbiblestudy.com to find out more about the College View Church of Christ and we would also encourage you, if you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area at any time, to come and visit with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 for Bible study, 10.30 for worship. Sunday evening we meet for worship at 6 p.m. and we meet for a period of Bible study Wednesday evenings at 7. You are welcome at any of these services, and we hope you'll come visit with us soon at the College of Church of Christ. We're talking about modesty, Dad, and uh, certainly we're getting some good comments and some things that we need to think about. Uh, we have more comments to get to, though. We've got one from uh, our friend Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, who says concepts of modesty are hard to define. However, it seems to me that modesty has more to do with one's desire to remain pure, holy, and undefiled than it does with what one wears. Consider First Peter 3, verses 2 through 4, which speaks about being chaste. Uh, the King James Version uses that word. And one's adorning that of the inner man, not necessarily what one wears. It is the inner man who pleases God. Having said this, the person who's adorned innerly, inwardly with Christ will be the one who is not trying to push the boundaries of what's considered modest versus immodest. Concepts of being chaste or sexually pure will keep us from exposing ourselves to those who do not have a right to see what does not belong to them. In response to the questions, are there any absolute lines? Yes. Again, though hard to define, God himself clothed the man and woman in the garden when they were naked, Genesis 3.21. At the very least, this suggests that public nakedness is unacceptable to God. Those areas of the body which would cause one to lust are also areas which should be clothed, First Peter 2 and verse 11. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if we've got a consensus on that uh, question or not, Jacob, whether there's absolutes. I think some people said yes, some no. I'm of the opinion yes, and I, 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 I stated to you my thinking on it. Based upon that episode in the Garden of Eden and the episode concerning the clothing of the priests and what was expected to be covered to cover their nakedness, I w I'm, I'm willing to argue that God wants us as, as an absolute line to cover nakedness, to cover our bodies from the neck to the knee at least. Uh, so the torso and the leg to the knee are areas of nakedness. Now, remember, and I think we already had a comment from Carol in Alabama, who said there's a difference between being modest and covering your nakedness, and I exactly agree. If we're going to, we got to cover our nakedness, 
concepts of modesty would would argue we should go way beyond that and cover our bodies more thoroughly than that and not even be close to those limits. As, and we had an email from Mike who said, why we, we shouldn't be trying to push the limits. All right. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. The phone line is open and is getting cold. Why not use it and let us know your thoughts? Uh, remember Lee's question, what time is a good time to start teaching children uh, principles of modesty and nakedness. And we're going to get to that in a minute, but let's get to, let's real quickly. We got we didn't get as many responses to our second question, Jacob. About could you wear something to the beach? Would it be okay to wear something to the beach or swimming pool that you and it would be appropriate in that setting, but it would not be appropriate when you to wear it if you went shopping at the Walmart store. For and in response to that, Jim has sent in a tongue in cheek answer. He says yes, it would be wrong to wear certain things. Uh, to Walmart, that would be okay at the beach. He said, I would never walk into Walmart with my floaty still on. You think Jim wears a floaty? Well, I don't know he about that. He said he does. Well, uh, we wouldn't <laughs> want to see it if he did. He, it, seriously, though, he says, rule of thumb is, can I stand before God in what I'm wearing? If not, better be careful, because in reality, I am standing before God in what I'm wearing. So uh, I think Jim would argue, no, the circumstance doesn't change what's appropriate. Got an email from uh, answer here from Steve, who says... Um, I believe that if they were comfortable wearing a bikini at the beach, then why not in Walmart? So long as they're wearing shoes. If they're, they're tongue and cheek, yeah. Uh, if they are comfortable wearing it one place, then they should be comfortable wearing it around others. However, it would be immodest to wear shorts and a T-shirt at your wedding, especially if it's supposed to be a formal dress. I suppose that the question we should ask ourselves is: Would this type of dress be okay if I were around other Christians? Would I dress in the same manner when around them? If not, why not? I'm doing, he says, I'm doing a pathetic job answering your question with more questions, but they're tough things to deal with. I think his point here is right. You know, if, if you, if you're comfortable in a bikini at the beach and other people are looking at you at the beach, then why couldn't you wear that bikini to the Walmart and people look at you there? It, it's not logical to say you could wear it one place and not another, and it's not biblical either. So now he mentions, you know, you wouldn't wear certain clothes to a formal wedding. That goes to the point of appropriateness that we mentioned earlier. And appropriateness is part of the modesty equation. Uh, but uh, we, we're talking about basically parts of the body that must stay covered. All right. We have an answer from Donna in Iowa. If it is wrong to wear it at Walmart, it is wrong to wear, period. Ask yourself this question. How would I feel if Jesus were on the beach or standing in line with me? He is there with us as we live our lives. It doesn't matter who doesn't see us. He does. She references Matthew chapter 16, 24 through 28. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? We appreciate Donna for her comments tonight. You know, a couple of Donna and, and Steve both mentioned, and, and Jim also mentioned, you know, the, the Lord sees us all the time. He knows, you know, I've known of people said, who actually said, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear these clothes there because somebody from church might see me. You know, if, if if there's a danger that somebody from church might see me dressed that way, I won't dress that way. Now, if, if I'm in no danger of being seen by people at church, I'll dress that way. Well, who we think we're kidding with that kind of reasoning? You know, we're not hiding it from God. If we're dressed immodestly, if we're not covering our nakedness, it doesn't matter whether the people from church saw us, other Christians observed it or not. God observed it, and he's the one that we're ultimately accountable to. So we need to always remember that. Um, Misty says in regards to that question about could you wear it at the beach 
and it would be okay, but not at Walmart. She says, I think that these lines are to be attended to whether we are in public or at home. In regards to the issue of bathing suits at the beach, I do not agree with that either. The same biblical principles apply to us every day in every circumstance, not just sometimes some places. I do not swim in public places, nor do I allow my children to. Recently, I have been thinking of renting a pool so that we could have a time to teach them, one pool time for women and girls and one time for men and boys. As for Walmart, I think that we ought to be dressed like Christians wherever we go. And she thanks us for this type of study. So uh, she she says, no, you couldn't. You couldn't. The circumstances don't change the uh, the uh, whether or not it's modest and whether or not it covers nakedness. So Matt, uh, Pat echoes those sentiments. Circumstances do not change God's requirements. And Misty has a comment that we haven't looked at yet, Dad. I've already emailed you, she said, but I forgot to say that although I believe the overtly sexual parts of our body need to be absolutely covered up, I think we are called to go beyond that instead of finding the line and tiptoeing up to the very edge of the cliff, so to speak, where it is dangerous of falling uh, over ourselves or leading others to the edge where they can fall. Shouldn't we stay far back from that line and keep safe? As for me and my girls, we wear our blouses high and our skirts very long. Why not? What is at risk here? What are we losing out on by being extra modest? Nothing but feeding an ego that wants to have things its way and not God's way. Shall we honor God and honor the men in our presence by not causing them to stumble? If married, do we honor our husbands by preventing other men from seeing something that doesn't belong to them or causing them to think about it? It is not only non-Christian men that can fall into lust. Godly men who do not want to lust are still human and are wired to desire a woman. Likewise, uh, shall the men honor God and honor the women in their presence by keeping their shirts on and wearing pants that cover up their behinds? I hope so. Thanks again, Misty. So thank you, Misty, for those comments. I think I think that she's right, and I appreciate that attitude. What do you got to lose by dressing modestly other than the approval of the world and the acceptance of the world? You don't lose anything. We had that question earlier, Jacob, about uh, from Lee and Cookville who asked, Concerning small children, what would be a good age to start restricting what they wear? And we got we only got one response to that. I was hoping we'd get more response, but Anthony in Columbia has written, I would say that there's no such thing as teaching a child modesty too early. When children are too young to dress themselves, then obviously as parents we should dress them modestly. Once the child starts showing the desire to pick out his or her own clothes, we must be certain to allow them to dress only dress modestly and make sure they understand what is acceptable and not acceptable. There's no magic age, I would say. I, I, I am sympathetic with Anthony's position here that these concepts of modesty need to be instilled in children from the very earliest ages. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, an, a babe in arms is going to, you know, you, when you're changing diapers and doing all that sort of thing, there's some considerations there that that are simply for that first year of life or first or second year of life. But I think parents wait way too long to begin to teach modesty to their children. That's something that needs to be instilled in them because it is an inherent um, attitude that needs to be developed. In fact, uh, I was looking at a definition here. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it uses the word shamefacedness in the King James Version, which I think is really an important word. And um, it literally means a sense of shame, modesty, reverence, the ability to blush. Uh, and so the idea is that we, we need to instill in our children an attitude which says that if, if they know that their body is exposed and they're showing this part of their body, that it that is actually 
they're ashamed to do that. There's a sense of shame attached to that that is not proper, and they and they don't feel comfortable doing it. And so we begin early, very early, with our kids to instill that sense of modesty and shamefacedness, so that they have this basic inherent attitude that says, "I, I just don't feel comfortable dressed that way." If we let them dress in in all kinds of immodest clothes until they until, for instance, they reach ten or twelve years old. And then suddenly we want them to dress differently. Well, we haven't instilled into them the attitude that makes them want to dress differently. We can start that at the very earliest ages. All right. Thank you, Anthony, for responding to that question. You know, Dad, in summary tonight, I think it is important for us to realize that what we wear does say a lot about our heart. First Peter chapter 3, beginning verse 1, Likewise, you wives, be in, subject, in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of their wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that of outward adorning of the plaiting of the hair and wearing of gold and putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even in the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price." Notice verse 5 of 1 Peter chapter 3. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. If we don't dress modestly, Dad, and we don't cover our nakedness and we do not try to avoid drawing attention to ourselves by dressing immodestly, if we don't dress appropriately, we do not fear God and trust God like we should. It tells about our heart if we're not dressing like we should. Exactly right. We need to. We need to. The, the the heart is the issue. Get your heart right, and these other things will take take their proper place. But you know you got to educate the heart, and that's where these concepts of some absolutes from the Word of God are important to understand. All right, we are out of time, Dad, but it was certainly a valuable discussion. Appreciate all of our listeners' feedback on the program tonight. Yes, thanks for participating. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, and we hope you'll make it a regular weekly appointment on Thursday nights. We do encourage you to make it a regular appointment, and we especially encourage you to be back uh, next week. Dad, in the coming weeks, perhaps next week or the week thereafter, we hope to have a senator from the state of Alabama on to talk about some important legislation. Teaching Bible working. in the public schools, and, and interestingly, he's against it, and and it's, you'll want to you'll want to know why, because even here in Tennessee, they're debating this, and there, there's some important things to know about that. It's not, in other words, this guy is a, a believer in God, but he's against what they're proposing to teach in public schools. You'll want to know about that when we have a chance to get him on the air here in a week or two. And also, we're making some efforts, Jacob, to get an interview with some of the people involved in a movie coming out this week called Expelled. And it has to do with the, with the scientific prejudice against intelligent design and in favor of evolution. Some of you have heard about this movie that's coming out, and we're trying to get uh, someone associated with that movie to have an interview with us. All right, so we hope you'll be tuning in to the Virtual Bible Study in the coming weeks. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College 
College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.